Welcome to Something for the Turbo, the new weekly podcast brought to you by Unfound, the global platform for the travel-loving cyclist. Welcome to another episode of Something for the Turbo. Thanks for tuning in to listen again. If you haven't yet, please do subscribe. And if you could, please tell all your cycling friends. Keep spreading the good word. Today's episode is supported by our friends at Outcycles. They've actually got a couple of trips in the diary where there's still some places going. So if you're interested in doing La Marmotte Grand Fondo, which is the 3rd to the 6th of September, with accommodation and race logistics all provided by the brilliant people down at Alpcycles. Get in touch with them. Also, there's still availability for Hout Route Von 2, which is the 1st to the 5th of October to go through Alpcycles. So best in the business. Still some places left. So if you want to get an event in this year, make sure you get in touch with them. We'll put their details down in the show notes. Also, today's your last chance to get yourself a special edition Lecol X Unfound kit. We've collaborated with Lecole to provide a kit that really articulates what Unfound is all about, which is travel, friendship, community, exploration, and performance as well. We're a global community of like-minded cyclists, and that's what the kits represent. Anyway, for more information, if you go to our website, www.unfound.cc, that's www.unfound.cc, register and join the global community and you'll find all the details you need to snap yourself up, one of the coolest looking kits around. Anyway, talking of Halt Route 1-2, today I'm delighted to be joined by Julien Verle. Julien works for Halt Route. He is a map and Fesca ambassador and we had a little bit of a natter about all sorts of things today. Of course we discussed the Hout route, map, Rafa, Fesca, open bikes, gravel, road, the riding on offer in Paris, the Pyrenees, this year's Hout route von 2, long distance riding and events like Paris-Brest-Paris, the Cévennes region of France inspired by the wonderful book The Rider by Tim Crabb, this year's Tour de France, when France will ever get a French winner of the Tour de France, the joys of exploring the world on the bike including Greece, Italy, Sweden, Norway, and loads more. Julien, thank you very much for joining us. How are you? I'm good. Thank you, Julian. I'm good. I'm good. And you? How's it going? Yeah, not too bad. I've been enviously looking at your Instagram account of late. You seem to have had a good couple of weeks. You you were on holiday and then you've been in the Dolomites. I noticed that you cycled 450 kilometers to get to your holiday, though. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, I... Uh... I did um, a trip uh, to to visit my uh, my parents uh, last week. That was yeah. for 450 one way. I just wanted to to avoid the train and driving my car, so I decided to to ride that way. And then few days uh, after traveling to to the Dolomites uh, with the map crew for. Yeah for shooting and uh, some videos about uh, new things. So that's pretty cool. So tell us a little bit about, about MAP and what you were doing out in the Dolomites. How long have you been associated with them? I'm associated with MAP since uh, almost uh two years in October. I've been looking for, for a new brand uh, for my club um, because we wanted to, to get new, new kits and custom kits. So that's when... The relation with Map started, uh, and since that time, I'm I'm now involved with them uh, as an ambassador. Very good. And what you were shooting a film out in the Dolomites, were you or a? Yeah, advert? yeah. So it, that was that was like a, a bikepacking trip. So we started from um, Badia at the Hotel Melodia del Bosco. Okay. And we rode through the Dolomite to finish at uh, Obergen and then back on the day two. That was great. That was great because we we rode all together uh, with. Uh, 
Martijn, uh, Yasmin, uh, Yanni from Denmark, and also Mike. So that was a good, uh, that was a really good experience because uh, that was mainly on the bike, uh, shooting on the bike, uh, from the bike. And yeah, that was great. Such a good experience and nice people as well. Excellent. Well, how best to describe you? I mean, and I think let's, let's go back a bit and talk us through your your journey into cycling. You you work with many different brands and events as well. More recently with the Hout Route. But when did you start cycling at a young age? Have you done any racing? Tell us a little bit more about yourself. Um, so when I was a bit younger, let's say when I was a kid, uh, my father used to, to cycle a lot. I was like really uh, pissed off about cycling to be honest, <laughs> because I spent a few weeks or main, mainly weekends on the backseat of the car <laughs> following oh, him. Oh, was he racing, was he? Uh, it, it wasn't racing, but it was like mainly riding long distances with uh, with his club. And okay. my mother drove the car during the weekends. I've been like <laughs> so bored, <laughs> to be honest. And um, yeah, so I, I really didn't enjoy cycling till I started cycling to be honest i just wanted to avoid uh the subway in paris because uh, that was really awful that's that's the way i started uh, cycling to be honest um just wanted to to get a new way to to commute and yeah to to go to 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 work so that started like that uh on a fixie <laughs> of course yeah the trend more than yeah almost 10 years ago now okay um, and then i started with a, a first club uh, that I've created. Uh, we've been riding uh, each uh, Tuesday evening uh, on fixies. And then I've been approached by uh, Rafa and I started to be um, an ambassador for them for the first year. Um, and next year, yeah, the, the year after I started uh, as an employee at Rafa as the RCC coordinator for, for friends. Oh, wow. And uh, so, yeah, I worked for Rafa as the RCC coordinator like for four years. Okay. I stopped with Rafa in uh, 2018. In October. Uh, during this time, I've been uh, invited to discover the Autoroute uh, Pyrenees. Yeah. And I just kept in touch with uh, with the team. And I started my new job as a sales manager for, for the Autoroute for France and the UK, January uh, 2019. And then, uh, so yeah, I've also created an, another club, uh, which is the the Heaters uh, Social Club. Uh, yeah, I've, I've seen that. That's, that looks like a. Uh, we'll have to. We'll post the links, the Instagram links, in in the show notes. Yeah. So we we really wanted to to own uh, or or club um, and not be depend dependent of uh, of a brand. So that's that's why we 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 have created the that club. So yeah, very good. It's been a, an interesting journey for you. It's obviously crazy times for, for everyone in the world at the moment. How how are you seeing that impact the the cycling industry? Obviously, in your current organization, how Roots, but obviously with Rafa as well. I mean, what are the major impacts that you're starting to see mm. in the world of cycling? So I think all the the virtual platforms are working well. I mean, during the lockdown, that was the only and the main uh, thing to do, to be honest, uh, because we in in Paris we've been like uh, fully locked down for two months and a half, almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was the the only way to to cycle. So that was that was a bit tough because all the events planned for for this year 
have been cancelled, so all reported for for twenty twenty one. So yeah, that that was a bit uh, that was a bit tough. I mean, for for us, but otherwise it it have been uh, also a a good um, a good way to to promote the the autre route to through um, through Zwift uh, because we yeah. had like a three day event on yeah. Zwift. Uh, so that was that was a good ad for us. Yeah, what well, good in terms of branding and just just spreading the word. I don't remember the the, the number of the the participants, but that was like super huge. I think we had more than six sixty thousand riders. Wow, wow. So yeah, so that was probably one of the the most um, biggest event on uh, on Zwift. Yeah, absolutely. It's I find it interesting. It's I mean, Hot is what ten years old or should have been ten years old this year. Is that right? Uh, yeah, it's going to be uh, next year. That's going to be the tenth edition next year. of the Alps. Yeah. So it's 2011 that it started because it's had a meteoric rise to to sort of cycling consciousness, and it's kind of coincided with the growth of the sport as well. I mean, I remember not so long ago it was kind of a bit of a niche thing that you know only sort of super hardcore cyclists would do, and even just going back, I mean, I did I did the the Alps Holt route in 2017, and it was it was bigger then, but it still wasn't as mainstream as it's become over the last couple of years. What, what's been the kind of crazy growth driver? Obviously, other than your incredible sales skills um, <laughs> over the last couple of years, mainly I would say the the riders are challenging themselves and they are dreaming about just the the Tour de France and being like a pro, basically, and be treated like like pros on on the road. Uh, for the autres, we blocked the the the. The subscriptions to uh, 500 participants to for the safety. Yeah, so we can really handle the, um, all the participants and everything they need, uh, everything they they want on the on the ground uh, with the mechanical support, with the soigneurs, with the doctors uh, and the sports car. So yeah, that's that exactly. why. But yeah, it's I mean, but but even that growth, right? I look back, so Hartrud. Alps, which is still probably the sort of flagship event, right? I mean, yeah. even in 2017, yeah. that was only 300 people. So yeah. in three years, it's, it's you know 40% bigger. Mm-hmm. And you've also got a whole load of other events as well. The three-day events have really taken off. And geographically, you've done an event in um, Oman, I think, and, and China as well. And, and I'm sure you've got more planned in, over the coming years. Yeah, we also plan South America. Uh, so we we have uh, Mexico and Brazil uh, as well. So this year it's just going to be Mexico and Otrut regarding the the COVID. Yeah. So, so yeah, for for the last events, it's going to be the the last events of of the year in October. Tell me where where um where in Mexico are they doing that? Oh, that's a good question. I need to, to have a look. I don't remember the location exactly. Yeah. Um, hold on. At altitude, maybe, probably. Uh, so it's um. Sorry, I put you on the spot. <laughs> yeah, it's because I'm. I'm mainly uh, on the European events, so that's the reason why. Uh, so it's going to be at Valle de Bravo. Okay, absolutely nothing to me. Where, whereabouts <laughs> do you know roughly where that is? <laughs> In Mexico, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. It's um, and I, I understand that Vontu is is still hoping to happen this year in Europe. Yes, yes. So it's going to be uh, beginning of uh, October, the weekend of the third. Uh, oh, that's my birthday. Yeah, so you should come. <laughs> are you still i mean is it sold out are you still looking for people yeah yeah we're still looking for people so it's okay. still uh, still on sales okay cool so what what if, if people are interested in getting down 
to the it's a three-day event isn't it the Holt Rude one two what can they do can we give, put your email address in the show notes and they can drop you an email yeah definitely definitely yeah yeah so you can you can uh, s- send me an email and, and maybe i could give you a discount <laughs> oh very good excellent well get in touch with julian it's the 3rd of october which is which is my birthday here's an interesting fact for you that's also emma pooley's birthday who i spoke to last week and it's also alex dalsit's birthday so mm. there you go it's obviously there's obviously some um some cycling dna associated with birthdays on the 3rd of october which i wasn't i wasn't gifted with <laughs> unlike those two so there you go and and tell us so you you've also been working with or used to have a, a relationship with is, is it Fesca the bikes yeah, yeah, yeah how did that come about and tell us tell us about those so Fesca uh, I know them since almost six years I would say uh, because they have built up back in the day the, the what's the name uh, the continental rider program so they okay. built a bike for, for one of the continental rider and I've been just in love of the frame and so I decided to contact them uh, so that that's where and when it started so i'm riding fetzka bikes since uh, five years now brilliant uh, where, where tell us i don't know i've obviously seen them on social media and stuff beautiful looking bikes yeah. tell us a bit about them where, where are they headquartered what, what kind of bikes do they make so there's two owners uh, two funders uh so they there is mike Michael and also uh, Andrej. They are uh, based in Prague, in Praha, uh, in Czech Republic. So Michael used to be a, a racer, and then he wanted to to build a, something really different with the with the carbon. They have like um, the the carbon fabric is really different than the the, the other brands. It's not like a unidirectional uh, carbon. It's uh, it's really different. And I started with the one, which is the who they they presented like the the lowest, let's say the lowest in coma. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. The lowest range. So it's uh it's like a comfort bike. Uh, carbon and also a bit stiff, uh, which is good with titanium droplets. So I used to ride, yeah, two, uh, two ones. So I rode, uh, I've ridden two ones and now I'm riding a scalatore since um, two years now so the scalatore is uh like lightest version of uh of the frame that they can build up uh it's really nice really comfortable uh really stiff it's it's a really good mix uh in between what you want to expect uh of a bike so you can yeah. ride through the mountains for long distances as well uh i mean it's really nice nice bikes and they they also do some uh titanium bikes and also some gravels so yeah it's uh yeah you've got a gravel you've got one of their gravel bikes haven't you have I, or yeah. have I made that up i have i have a gravel bike but not from fetzka it's okay uh, it's an open bike that i have i i bought uh app from uh from open because i wanted really something different uh with a disc because i'm uh <laughs> i'm for saving the rim brakes <laughs> okay okay so yeah so for me the the disc are more comfortable for for off uh, off road rides. So I, you're you're still on rim brakes on the road, yeah. Yeah, excellent. So so, <laughs> so you're you're part of the uh, save the rim brake. Yeah, community. I'm I'm kind and, of. And is that, <laughs> is that a preference or performance, or you just like them better, or, or yeah, what are your views? Better. I mean, I mean, I'm I'm feeling good uh, with uh, with the rim brakes. Yeah, I think it's uh, probably just a, a feeling. Yeah, whatever uh, whatever works for you, right? Yeah. Yeah, and it's uh, also, I mean, aesthetically, it's uh, it's really nice as well. It's, uh, I mean, it's it's 
just beautiful. You see the wheels and you don't have something in the middle of the, of the wheel, like a, another mini wheel <laughs> with the disc. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. Yeah, I, I really like the shape of, uh, of the bike with uh, rim brakes. The cleaner lines. Yeah, yeah. I, I know that it, I know the whole rim brake. I mean, it's, I've got I've got both rim and disc brake. And I have to say, before I got the disc brake, I didn't quite appreciate just how great the braking is. Yeah. But but it does still divide opinion, doesn't it? It's still yeah. people are in, in, are in still still in two minds with regards to performance and obviously the weight, slight weight benefit as well. Yeah, definitely. And very good. And t- talk us through what, what you what have you built the, the bike up with? What wheels have you got? on there and uh so on the fat car i have carbon uh wheels i have uh the 4.5 uh, nvs uh with uh chris king hubs uh ceramic hubs and it's just like super smooth <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Great. on the on the open i have um, a french uh a french brand uh which is duke duke wheels racing mm, so it's fit, uh, 650bs uh okay. so it's I really wanted something really different for for the open for for my gravel rides. Um, yeah, yeah. Because it's, I mean, with the open you can do everything. Like you can you can have like a nice road bike and you can also have a nice gravel bike. And I really wanted something different compared to the Fetzka. So that's why I I choose uh, the the 650Bs to have really something different. And the tires are René Ers in 48 millimeters. So that's huge. <laughs> Massive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's a it's a completely different uh, way to to ride with uh, with this bike. Yeah, cool. So so tell us a little bit for so for people listening, just with regards to Paris, because you're you're based in Paris, aren't you? Talk us through the kind of riding on offer on the outskirts of Paris, both on the road and and gravel. What 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 cycling do you have on offer there? So in Paris, we have like let's say two different places to to cycle. There's the Vallée Chevreuse, which is um, on the west side of Paris. It's mainly the, the cyclist uh, playground, to be honest. Uh, if you go there during the weekend, it's crowded by cyclists. And I also rather like the north of Paris. Outside, it's uh, the Vexin. And Vexin is, uh, is a bit more about uh, rolling hills and much more steep steep hills. So I rather like the, the Vexin because it's a, it's a bit like the Pyrenees, let's say. So the Chevreuse is the, is the Alps. And um, because it's uh, like steady uh heels and uh, there's a lot of people riding there and the uh, vexa is uh, is a bit more uh wild let's say that there's a many more forest and um fields as well and it's uh it's a bit unknown compared to the to the chevaux so that's okay, where, that's where i really like to to ride it's nice it's nicer for me cool and that's both gravel and road options out that way yeah, so you can also uh, ride uh, on the east side of Paris uh, with yeah. uh, a bit flat, uh, flattish, let's say. But yeah, I rather like to to go through the forest of uh, Montmorency in Vexin, uh, which is yeah. uh, which is really nice. Uh, you can, I mean, there's a lot of uh, mountain bikers, and gravel is growing well as well in uh, in Paris and in France. So we are looking for new roads for for gravel, which is nice. Uh, in Vexin, there's a lot to explore, so that's pretty cool. There's like roads with uh, like probably one or two kilometers of cobbles sometimes, so that's pretty nice as well to to train for Paris Roubaix and uh, for the classics. Yeah, bit of you got a bit of everything on offer. Yeah, oh, and where before we come into your sort of favorite places in the world to cycle, where, where in where are your favorite places in in France to ride? 
because there's so much on offer and there's so much diversity of cycling in France. I think I would say the the Pyrenees because it's it's more uh, more rough and more wide and uh, different than the Alps. I mean, you don't have that much traffic jam on the on the colds. So it's yeah, I think it's uh, it's my favorite just to to ride through the Pyrenees. It's uh, it's so beautiful and it's uh, it's really different compared to the Alps or or the south of France. But yeah, I would definitely pick up the the Pyrenees. And at the second plan, I would pick up the Ventoux as well because it's really something different. It's Ventoux, yeah. yeah, Ventoux is really something else. That was my that was my first um, real uh, call. So I'm I'm still a bit emotional when I'm when I'm riding at Ventoux. I mean, <laughs> that's that's funny. But uh, every time I'm 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 climbing the Ventoux, I'm I'm praying a bit. Because it's uh, such such a, a monument of cycling. There are so many things happened on Bantu uh, Simpson. That's that's huge. That's yeah. That's loaded of uh, cycling stories. So that's yeah yeah. And you mentioned Vontu and you mentioned Tom Simpson there. I, I had his nephew on uh, Chris who on the podcast who is a an author and a writer. Yeah and. We were talking about his career, and one of the races which I didn't know about was uh, Bordeaux Paris. Used yeah. to be a race. Bordeaux Paris, yeah, yeah, yeah. They 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 used to uh, start from uh, Bordeaux. It's uh, it's a long one, uh, but you have uh, to to ride behind the Dernie. Uh, yeah. So it's uh, six hundred kilometers uh, riding behind the Dernies. Yeah, it's it's such a, an incredible race. I mean, a few years ago, that was the last Bordeaux Paris for the amateurs. But it was really different. No, no journeys for for all the participants. But it was like a, a long distance uh, ish ride back in the crazy ride, right? Yeah. And and do you think with with regards to the the way that cycling's been going, mm-hmm. sort of diversification, different kinds of events sort of cropping into to what people want to do? Is there a bit of a movement, or, or is there support for races like uh, Bordeaux Paris to come back? Yeah, I guess I guess because all the long distances rides and races like the transcontinental race, and uh, also I think it's the North Cape or something like that. Uh, there's yeah. a lot of uh, long distances rides and races uh, on the in the in the on the market uh, actually, and it's growing well. I mean, I've started yeah, I started long distances with uh, Paris Bas Paris for no, right. five years ago, and you know you have to complete all the brevets yeah, to yeah, yeah, yeah. register to to the final one uh, to Paris Paris Bas Paris. How far is that? How, how long is that ride? Uh, it's a uh, it's a uh, one thousand two kilometers with uh, eleven thousand meters of elevation, and it's always windy in that part of France as well, right? <laughs> From yeah. my experience, yeah. But you you have to cross the um, the bus, which is probably the flat, yeah, probably the flattest part of France. So it's get yeah. really windy. Uh, if you don't catch a wheel, you can be pretty fucked, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's really super windy, uh, and yeah, you you have to cross that part back and forth to go to Brest. But yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, I wanted to to do something like challenging for me because uh, that was really the first time that I that I've done such a long distance like that. And I mean, during during that event, it's it's incredible. All the people on the side of of the road cheering for you. It's, really, you you have an atmosphere. Honestly, when you when you arrive to to Brittany, it's wow. It just 
Wow. It's a lot of people on the side uh, waiting and sharing and offering uh, coffees, crepes, uh, stuff. That, that's pretty nice. And it's, uh, it's like a big party. It's, it's awesome. It's really awesome. That must be pretty mentally tough, though, to having just sort of gone 600 kilometers and then you've just got to turn around and go back the way you came, <laughs> way you came again. <laughs> yeah, you, you just think that you, you're halfway. <laughs> halfway, yeah, nearly yeah. home. But it's, it's all downhill from there. Yeah, <laughs> ish. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's really nice because you you meet a lot of people on the road and you you're creating like uh, yeah new relationship with uh, with people you that you probably never met. Uh, you you can you can meet a writer from Germany, a writer from Japan, a writer from the US, and also yeah. I mean it's so huge. It's really huge, and it's so so cool to yeah to to share and meet those people, all the backgrounds they have. Uh, why they are riding that long for the challenge or if they I don't know some of them uh, are riding the the Paris by since pff, probably years and years it's like uh, really yeah Doing every year is the every crazy, every four years yeah so I've met probably the one of the the guy who had who have the record of the the Paris by is is incredible he have done already probably more than eight or nine Paris by Spy. It's wow. Insane. He started really young and he's he is still on the bike and riding like like a machine. <laughs> Pacing himself and finishing it. That's that's incredible. I want to finish my days like that. <laughs> on the solo. Yeah, absolutely. I love these I love hearing all these stories and it's such a great I remember we had um Abdullah Zenab on the on the first podcast we did actually and he he had just won Trans Am, which is obviously the, the long race across the US and yeah. he won it in record time. Mm-hmm. And I think we spoke maybe two or three weeks after the event because I think he had a week in on the west coast of the US and then went back to Australia so maybe it was 3 weeks after and there were still some people out on the course and one of one of the riders I think was sort of in his mid 70s you know still doing trans down I just think that's so inspirational and to your point yeah I want to finish my days still doing stuff like that yeah yeah that's that's pretty cool that's why I love cycling honestly because you you are so motivated and so passionate about what cycling is about it's it's also like um, a mental sport uh, because you can you can you can give up whenever you want, but you you still want to to prove to yourself how far you can go, and that's that's something really challenging with uh, with those kinds of of events like the Transam, the the TCR, uh, the Paris Bas Paris, and also the the Tour du Mont Blanc, and uh, all about the everesting challenges it's yeah it's really a mental sport but it's personal as well right so i think it's easy to get lost in sort of comparing yourself to other people but it it can be very personal and you yeah you can really sort of learn more about yourself as an individual and to push your given that we need comfortable lives at the moment it's it's sometimes good to push yourself to those levels to get a real understanding of who you are and what makes you tick yeah 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 definitely Uh, i think it's always good to to be out a bit of your comfort zone and it's uh and that's why you you're growing you're growing up with uh with this kind of uh of challenges yeah to 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 come back to to the to the autre route i mean that was one of the first event that that i've uh, that i've done in in the in the mountains i mean the elevation was around Twenty thousand meters yeah. for the whole week. And yeah, I've never done such 
an amount of uh, meters of elevation. It's it's something else. You're you're pushing the limits, and each day you know that you have to go back in the saddle. I mean, all the sceneries that you you have around you, it's just insane. I mean, there's two types of uh, riders. I would say for for the for the for those events, you have the the proper races and you have the the, the challenges. For me, it's uh, it's incredible. You 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 probably might have eighty riders in the front, just really racing. And I would say, yeah, the the other the other parts are just challenging themselves and enjoying the the views, the sceneries, and yeah. The, the community as well it's just mind blowing honestly it's uh, it's so great you you can you can really have great friends at the end of the trip it's uh, like family on it because you you you're going so deep into your your feelings and your emotions and exactly yeah you you can't be false you know it's uh, just about through truth and true feelings and it's uh, yeah you're making real friends at that moment <laughs> I, I couldn't agree more and that's that i mean for me i did as i mentioned alps with a, a good friend duncan three years ago and you're right it, like i imagine doing your first out route i haven't done a second one but i'm sure it'd be a slightly different experience but the first one you do yeah for that whole week it, it's every spectrum of emotion and as i said i'm still in contact with with people that I, that i've met during the week and it just it's such an amazing experience to have that that week away from a you know dare I say I obviously miss them a lot but family in a completely different environment to your normal routine exactly. day job family and you're completely out of the comfort zone you're pushing yourself mentally you're also seeing just the most incredible vistas and experiencing different towns and yeah. everything about it is is just just a brilliant experience yeah yeah that's true it's uh it's really yeah, you, you're really pushing yourself and it's uh, so amazing that the, the price you, you get in the end. It's, uh, yeah, you just finished uh, the Autrout and you're, yeah, you, you grow, basically. You grow. I completely agree. You do grow. Now, there's another part of France I wanted to ask you about, and I don't know if you've cycled there, but I, I went there hiking probably back in 1999, so quite a few years ago now. And I was actually blown away, A, how big it was, B, how sparsely populated it was and see how beautiful it was and d how how little people know about the area even people that live in france even the french people yeah. um, and then obviously uh, one of my favorite cycling books is the rider i don't know if you've read that have you read that but yeah. beautiful book yeah. i'll put it in the show notes and I'm, i'll probably get sorry apologies in advance tim it's, it's i think it's tim crabby yeah the name of the author but that's the Cévennes. I, I mean have you cycled there yeah, yeah. I've cycled to the Moigual. That was okay. the, that was the the final the final call uh, to for for a race that I've done for a long distance race. That was the the Born to Ride uh, three years ago. So that was also a long distance, like uh, one thousand two kilometers. Wow. Uh, bike packing with around. I don't really remember the the elevation but that was something around uh 16,000 or something like that meter wow. elevation yeah you're you're just on your own and we've started from uh from Les Vosges went through Germany Switzerland Italy back to France and we crossed all the all the calls like the Mont Bleuen uh, in Germany in Switzerland we went through the Gotthard Pass in Italy that was the Motarone and yes. back in uh, in France with uh, the Mont Genève at Briançon, yes. the Mont Ventoux as well. And we finished at the Mont Igual. 
and the seven are just stunning. It's really beautiful. That was like super warm. <laughs> that was a yeah, yeah. wave uh, at this time in June, but that was just amazing. Uh, the Moigual, we, we took the, um, I think that was the, the old side. So that was like a single track, but uh, the tarmac one. And that was like really, really tough and so beautiful. I was yeah. so slow at the end that all the, all the flies <laughs> came on my jersey <laughs> because I was so exhausted. But I mean, Seven, it's, it's really nice. It's a really, really beautiful country. Yeah. It's a magnificent part of the world, isn't it? It's, it yeah. I mean, I remember getting there even those years ago, just being completely blown away. We camped there for a week. It was incredible. But for those people listening that don't know, where in France is it? What are the nearest sort of towns and stuff? So it's uh, a few, uh, let's say, 100 kilometers from uh, Montpellier, straight in the, in, the, in the south of France. So Montpellier and then... Uh, if you want to go to to Montigual, it's like probably 100 kilometers to go from Montpellier. But yeah, the riding the riding over there is so beautiful. You you cross few uh, few towns, villages, and and then you 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 up to to climb. And you know that there is no other option, so you need to fill your biddings <laughs> because there yeah, are mountains. There's nothing. It's just that's right. You know, that's, that's right. I mean, there's literally nothing there, is there? That's why I can believe it when I went. It's it's very, very remote. Yeah. 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 It's uh, just in the middle of nowhere, but it's so beautiful. It's it's really amazing. Such a cool place. Yeah, and you can fill your bidons up in the, in the streams because they're sort of mountain freshwater streams. The water's spectacular. So it'd be an amazing place to do like a bike packing trip, I imagine. Yeah. yeah. yeah it's it's really nice. It's really beautiful. And when you get to the top of the Moigual, the view is also mind-blowing. It's uh, so great. I mean, it's probably the also the atmosphere at the end of uh, of the race that I've done. But that was like wow, so so cool. That was just beautiful, and you're sharing with uh, cheerings with your your friends. Yeah, it's such a good experience and such a nice place to finish the, the race. It's beautiful. Amazing. Well, that's definitely going on to my um, to-do list and my to-go, my ever-growing places I want to go and ride the bike to. And talk us through your views as a Frenchman in terms of getting the Tour de France going this year, making sure that race happens. What are, what are your views on how, how the race is going to pan out this year? Mm, so I think it's going to be um, an interesting way for all the supporters uh, and all the fans because it's going to be like a massive block of races <laughs> every week. Yeah, yeah. I think it's. Uh, I don't know. To be honest, it's uh, it's a bit weird to see classics uh, in October. <laughs> yeah, I know. And it could, it could make it could be brilliant. To yeah, be it could be. It could be. We we never know. Probably by will be with some rain. In the end, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, yeah finally, for, for, yeah, finally after many years. But yeah, for for the Tour de France, I honestly I don't know because there are the Tour, there's the Giro, and there's the Worlds as well. So it's it's gonna be like super massive for for all the pros. And yeah, regarding the 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 end, the the start and the end uh, of the of the stages, I think it's gonna be like so so different with all the restrictions, the social distancing, and yeah, it's a show, it's a popular show uh, here in France. You have a lot of people traveling just to see the riders uh, through the the mountains on the Champs Elysees as well for the final stage. But yeah, I honestly I don't know what it's gonna be because it's. It's like a big party as well. But yes, yeah, so it's hard to explain. It's more than just a bike race in yeah, France and for the French people, isn't it? It's kind of a, it's a big 
chapter of the year, I suppose. Yeah. It's the, yeah, the exactly. summer, the height of the summer, and yeah. Yeah, because I remember when I was a kid, I was looking the the stages with uh, with my grandfather before to go to the beach. You know, that was uh, from uh, from one or two till uh, four thirty. <laughs> I had wow. to to be in front of the TV with him. That that was. That's something uh, during the, the months of July in France. But yeah, it's it's going to be weird because it's going to happen uh, end of August uh, till uh, the beginning of September. So I guess it's going to be really different uh, because kids are going back to school, uh, people are going back to work. So um, yeah, I think it's um, it's going to be a, a different way to, to live the, the Tour de France. Unprecedented times. Well, let's hope it still happens and yeah. uh, will make for some fascinating races. And of course, I've got to ask, will we see a French winner? When will we see a French winner? And who will be the next French winner? <laughs> yeah, last year I was, I was like, I think last year it was probably one of the best tours that I've seen with yeah. uh, Julien Alaphilippe and Thibaut Pinot. That was yeah. just incredible. It, I mean, that was great for French people and also so such a shock as well when we saw the, the bands on the, on the, on the leg of uh, Pinot. And yeah, I mean, the, the final mountain stage, let's say, uh, just blocked with the, um, with the, with the, I, I don't remember what, where, where it was, I think it was in the Pyrenees uh, with the with the flute. Yeah, and they had to stop the the race. And the race. I've yeah. been like so so sad for for Alaphilippe because he's such a great descender, and it just showed up like that. Okay, if I can keep the yellow jersey, let's do it. It's gonna be fun. If I can keep it two days, three days, let's do it. And in the end, he he, he had it. Like for I don't remember probably fourteen days or something like that. Yeah, two weeks I think. Yeah, he did. Yeah, that was that was great. And I mean, for French people, I mean, the last the last French rider <laughs> who won the tour was Bernard Hinault. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So that was in eighty uh, five, I guess, or eighty six. I don't I, I don't really remember. Oh, probably eighty seven. I well, whatever. But yeah, I mean, it's uh, such a long time that. French rider haven't won the the tour. That would be great, but it's so different now. The the way the race is with with uh, the director sportives and the way the um, the teams are working together. I mean, with Team Sky and Ineos, they if they want to 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 block and lock the race, they can do it. That's yeah. there's there's no. I mean, there's quite no surprises anymore. But it's there's there's yeah, less panache than than we used to to know back in the day in the nineties. Yeah, yeah, it's less predictable, isn't it? The Grand Tours, I think, and I think that's yeah, which is but that was good. But yeah. look what happened last year, right? Yeah, that was that. That's exactly what I wanted to say. It's uh, that was so great to see Alaphilippe and uh, Thibaut Pinot uh, racing uh, like that. That was pure moments of panache. That was great. And you still didn't answer my question though. Who's who's going to be the next French winner? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I'm. I would say uh, I have two options. To be honest, uh, Thibaut Pinot for me is uh, is such a good rider, and also Julien Alaphilippe. They are my two favorite French riders at the moment. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and what about some sort of young up and comers that that we might not have heard of, or that you tip for the future, future success? Uh, I mean, the Belgian. There's lots, right? There's yeah. some great young French riders coming yeah. through. But I don't know. Maybe David Godu. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. There's 
there's plenty, but they are they are still young. So I I don't know I don't know to be honest I don't know. But regarding the um, the Belgian guys uh, from um, from a uh, quick step, uh, I mean Evonepol is a uh, such machine and is just killing it at the moment. Unbelievable, right? <laughs> That's <laughs> incredible. Yeah, and also with uh, Mathieu van der Poel. I mean, it's going to be such such an incredible. Um, such incredible years to come with the new generation, even with um, Bernal, which is really young. Yeah, the, I mean the new generation is like super tough, and yeah, they are they are proper good races. It's it's insane the the difference that you can notice from uh, from the old generation and and the new one. They are of course, yeah. So it's, the sports are changing so rapidly, and yeah, let's let's hope racing gets back to to normal as soon as possible, and 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 also get the calendar back to its normal. You know, I, I you kind of pinpoint the year by, by various races, don't you? So it'd be good to have have those back in as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Excellent. So other than France, where where else do you um, love riding? Where else are your favourite places in the world to ride? Um. So I've traveled mainly in Europe. So. I would say uh, Switzerland is amazing as well. I mean, the the, the tarmac in in Switzerland is just like brilliant. <laughs> Probably yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the best tarmac that you can get. Uh, so yeah, Switzerland. The sceneries are just mind blowing as well. Last September, I've been in Greece, and it's just amazing. You go through the really? mountains, and you end by by uh, by the sea, and you get you get a swim at in the water at 30 degrees so that's lovely great <laughs> so that's yeah, great. Yeah. greece definitely and also um italy i would say uh with dolomite and the, the magnificent stelvio as well it's yeah. really something else it's it's really tough and so so amazing place to ride so yeah and in in, an, in another way also for for some gravel i would say sweden yeah okay yeah. Sweden is nice. Uh, I've done like two times the Dalslandsrund, which is uh, um, in the north near um, Got- Gotburg. Yeah. That was like really, really nice. It's through the forest and you have some fjords. It's just beautiful for gravel. That's really nice. Nice. Well, I have to check that one out. And actually one of the rides that we had posted on the on the hub a couple of weeks ago. Yeah was the uh, the Oslo gravel crusher in Norway and that looked spectacular as well so that's another one I'm very keen to get to uh, Norway as well yeah. in the not the distant future mm-hmm. um, just going back to Greece quickly where where exactly did you fly was that from Athens or where whereabouts yeah. were you in Greece yeah so that was a flight from from Paris to Athens and then a few hours of driving uh, to go near to Sparta and then from Sparta we crossed the Peloponnese and we ended uh, in the middle of Greece, of Greece, yeah, it's. I mean, the the lands are very different from uh, from a side to another. So it's very green, and you have a lot of uh, uh, olive uh, trees, and yeah, you have some uh, some rockies uh, when you when you are near the sea, and it's really beautiful. I mean, the tarmac as well is nice, and the sceneries are really beautiful, and it's it's great because they don't have like a a real winter you know so you can you can go from march let's say till let's say november and the weather will be good so that's nice very nice yeah so many places to go to julian so many things i want to go and do and places i want to go and ride yeah yeah <laughs> it's crazy 
I mean, the, the world is so huge and all the places are so incredible. I mean, you, you, you believe that you have done something in, I mean, in the Dolomite, like this uh, few, few days ago, I've been like, okay, I've done few pass, passos and, um, I know some parts of the Dolomites, but we, we went through, um, through a pass and that was just incredible because we ended at the lake and the lake was just mind blowing. The blue was turquoise and that was really, really, really beautiful. It's, it's really something else. And even if you believe that you have done something, there's always more to explore. And it's, yeah. that's what I love with cycling because it's, yeah, you, you are exploring and you, you are free to explore where, wherever you want. So that's, that's pretty cool with cycling. Yeah, as I as I have said many times on this podcast, there's there's no better way to see the world than on a bike. Yeah, exactly. That's the the the, the right average, I think, to get everything through through your eyes and keep it in your mind. It's uh, yeah, it's really nice. Good. And what is the funniest thing you've seen on the bike? Hmm, probably not the funniest, but <laughs> uh, probably one of the scariest one i was riding the the festi 500 uh that was probably five five or six years ago and i i was with uh, i was riding with a friend of mine and we went through uh normandy uh in france and a rabbit just came across and get stuck into his front wheel what yeah <laughs> so i have the picture if you want I, i'm gonna show you but yeah, the, the, the rabbit went through the front wheel and will you post that on the, on the hub for us? Yeah, I will. And that was just pretty scary because it came from nowhere. And my friend, had a lot of, um, <laughs> a lot of hairs and a lot of fur from, uh, from the rabbit on him. <laughs> so that, that was, that was the funny side, but yeah, I was really worried. Yeah, but, but was he okay? Was your friend okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the end, nothing broken. So that was good. Okay. But, and his yeah. bike was okay? Yeah, the bike was okay. Okay, cool. The <laughs> rabbit was not okay. No, definitely not. <laughs> so yeah, so that was, that was one of, um, of the scary, probably, uh, one that sounds absolutely crazy well yeah that, thanks for sharing us that story i look forward to seeing the photo um <laughs> i must I, i've taken up lots of your time so i must must let you go is, is there anything else you wanted to mention have i missed anything um no i think uh i think we have done uh, we have said everything that was pretty good about a lot i would love to get over to paris and catch up with yourself and my yeah. great friend Roma Whenever. and the hitters you're welcome social uh, club and get out for a ride in the not too distant future yeah definitely if you want to come i mean we we could also do like a london to paris ride and meet you halfway i mean we can catch you up yeah. yet. that would be nice uh, yeah it's, yeah. it's only two to 200 or 250 kilometers so that would be nice that would be nice we could organize that for let's do it let's uh let's start planning off offline and we'll uh we'll definitely get that in the diary Perfect. Great. Thank Brilliant. you, Julian, for, for your time. And thank you. And we'll speak soon. Take care of yourself. You too. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to the podcast. And more importantly, don't forget to download the Unfound app and join cyclists from around the world on the hub. We'll see you on there.